0: It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Romans chapter 10 this morning. I've recently been very impressed in my spirit about the I don't know if I would call it an attack or what I would call it, of the deterioration or breakdown of the great move of God we saw in the it actually began to take place in the '70s, and then I got in on it in the early '80s, and then in the '80s, the '90s, then kind of into the first part of 2000, 2001, 2002. And that was with these tremendous ministries of faith that seemed to really be touching our nation. You know, the 90s were known as a time in which we had great economic uh, uh, explosion in this nation. You know, people could talk about how, uh, uh, you know, this president or this uh, uh, person in the government called. Well, actually, God caused all that. God God is the one that brought all that into being. And if you notice uh, what was going on in the body of Christ is there was a, a, a lot of teaching on prosperity. And a lot of people were being uh, greatly blessed uh, because they were obeying the word of God when it came to tithing and offering. And, uh, you know, people did get into excess. People did get into the ditch. Uh, but a lot of these, uh, of course, many of these ministers have gone on to their reward. Uh, they lived out their years in righteousness and, and, and finished their course. And uh, uh, the generation behind them uh, kind of picked up the mantle for Brother Hagan, of course, his son, uh, uh, Kenneth Hagan Jr., uh, still teaches and preaches like his daddy do, did, and still has great effect. The, the, actually, the, what, what we see the effect of Rhema that it has today is really not a, as it was in the United States when Brother Hagin was alive, but internationally now. There's Rhema churches all over and Rhema Bible schools all over the world now uh, that, are, that are probably as large or larger than the one in Tulsa. Uh, 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 Other ministries, of course, Brother Osteen uh, went on to be with the Lord. Joel kind of took the ministry in a little bit different direction. So you really don't see the flavor of faith at at Lakewood there, although Lakewood is a blessing to many people. Amen. And uh, then other ministries, of course, uh, uh, Richard Roberts is still active in ministry. Uh, uh, There are others. uh, Benny Hinn, who was uh, very much used by God in the 90s. Uh, His ministry is not what it was in the 90s. Uh, Brother Copeland's ministry is not what it was in the 90s. Uh, uh, many of those faith ministries, there was just a, a tremendous, I don't know if it was an attack or if people just quit following the doctrine. I don't know. Uh, but, but a lot of people just left uh, the roots of, of uh, the foundational roots of faith uh, to kind of adhere to something that was a lot more apathetic or complacent or that put a lot less of a demand upon their life. Now, there's also, there's, God always keeps a remnant of people, uh, you know, connected to Him in, in such a way uh, in, in, that, in that they don't lose the momentum of the moves of God uh, in the past. If you go back, uh, back to 1907 and see the great outpouring of the Holy Ghost that took place on Azusa Street and how the move of God out of that, you know, there were, there were people that picked up that move of God and went all over the world with it. Uh, and basically that was not a healing revival of any type, although there were healings that took place in that move of God. Basically, that move of God was people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Spirit. You know, uh, there was a, a, a man that came to Houston. Uh, actually, he came in the, uh, right after uh, 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 World War I, so that would be 1918, 19, uh, uh, 19, 19, 20, right in there. Raymond T. Ritchie, and built a church there. It's still there today, Evangelistic Temple. But his son at the time, who was about 14 or 15, kind of picked up on that, and his son became a tremendous healing minister before there was ever a healing move, before the great healing move of the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. And so Raymond T. Ritchie had this this powerful ministry. Over in England, there was a man named Smith Wigglesworth. There was another man named Howard Carter. And it seemed like after that great move of God in 1907, John G. Lake, he took that move of God to Africa and saw a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Then he came back to Spokane, Washington, and he wrote a letter to many of his friends that he had. And it says, it looks like man has traded the glory of God for their own occupation of that which they think God can do cannot do without them. So they've organized what God was doing, and when they organized it, the glory of God left it. And so whatever it is that causes moves of God to come to a conclusion or to an end, it happened in our generation. We saw it happen in our generation. I, I, I remember in, in 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, thousand five, six. as we begin to start Island Church, we begin to believe God, how so few people, I mean, there were even people that came to me and said, do you still preach that same old message? And I'm like, yes, I do. And it's not a same old message to me. But over the years, God has connected us with people of like precious faith. And now we see an upwelling or a wellspring or a groundswell beginning again of the move of people desiring to know things about faith, things about how the Holy Ghost operates, things about how the Spirit of God. Because you can only stay hungry and thirsty for so long without wanting that hunger and thirst to be quenched or satisfied. And so many people have gone out and, and been on the championship softball team or the championship bowling team of their church, but it hadn't fulfilled the spiritual hunger that's in their life. And many of those user-friendly, seeker-friendly churches, I'm ministering to one right now in which the pastor is beginning to pray for the sick in his church. The pastor told me the other day, he said, I couldn't, I mean, he got, I got a text from him the other day right before I went to Ireland. He said, you won't believe what happened in my church this morning. I prayed for somebody to be healed and they fell on the floor. He said, the church just gasped. We couldn't believe we thought there might have been something wrong with them. We checked them and got them up, and they were healed. We couldn't believe it. They were healed. Well, see, I've just been pumping information to him. I've been pumping books and and CDs and, and then long text about, you know, praying and praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit. See, that hunger is coming alive now. But what we have to do is we have to still stay with the basic principles of that which faith produces because it is the foundational realities of those things that literally cause us to flow in the, in the flow of that which God wants to produce when it comes to His glory. Now, years ago, it's been uh, maybe four or five years ago, I was preparing... To, to preach something here in the church and was, was, was back in my office. And I got a text from Pastor Mark Brzee, and this was in January, and he said, would you be willing to come and speak in my in my Fire for the Nations conference in August? Of course, I texted him back and said, sure, sure, you know I would. And as soon as I did, the Spirit of God fell on me and gave me a message about adhering to the, the young men or the old men. You can go find it over. I believe it's in Second Chronicles twenty. First Chronicles chapter twenty talks about Rehoboam and and how when Solomon died, Rehoboam went and counseled with the young men, and Rehoboam went and counseled with the old men. And the old men said, "Don't be as hard as your father Solomon was on the people. Uh, don't be don't don't you know uh, ease up on them a little bit. Don't don't tax them as much. Give them a little liberty." And then the young men said, "No. If your father was if your father was hard, you would be twice as hard." Well, what he did is he listened to the advice of the young men, and it divided the kingdom. The king, kingdom has never been uh, uh, together again. And we came to a point of time in which many of these older gentlemen went on to their reward in heaven, and, and young men were becoming very successful. But, but when you adhere to the young men instead of what the old men have produced, then you make a mistake. Amen. You make a mistake. Amen? So we're going to stick with the, with the doctrines that have been proven, that have, that have gotten people... Uh, uh, Answers to prayer, healings in their body, uh, the glory of God, the manifest, all of those things. Now let me say this. I was listening to Norval Hayes the other day. Uh, Norval Hayes, I don't know if many of you might not know who he was, but he was used mightily by God back in the, in, the, in the charismatic move. And Norval Hayes was pretty much responsible for Benny Hinn. Uh, uh, he was there. Benny Hinn got born again in a home group at age 19. And he was just on fire for God, and Norval Hayes kind of took him under his wing. And then all of a sudden, uh, God anoints this young man with with all this power and all this anointing, and his healing ministry began to explode. Now, at that time, uh, Brother Benny Hinn's ministry was beginning to come online. Brother Hagen. Had begun to minister again without that anointing that he had when he had that vision and Jesus touched the palms of his hands and said, you know, minister uh, with this anointing unto the sick. Brother Hagen began to minister like that. Uh, God was using Norval Hayes in healing ministry. There are other uh, people on a little lesser. Uh, we had a, a great friend, uh, uh, Dr. Ed Dufrane, who God was using him in that type of ministry. Uh, in our own ministry, we were seeing uh, great signs and wonders and miracles. So you could go, you could go to a Benny Hinn meeting, a Kenneth Hagan meeting, an a, a Ed Dufresne meeting, one of our meetings, it doesn't, didn't matter back then, somebody who was flowing in that healing anointing, and, and there was a possibility you could be healed. Because not everybody got healed in all of those meetings. But there was a possibility. Uh, many times it was just the mercy of God that reached out and touched people. But now these precepts and concepts of faith do not produce a possibility; they produce a reality, which means what you could not get in one of those meetings, you can get from the Word. And we have to—I believe that is the direction God is taking the body of Christ today. I don't—I don't—in I, I no way uh, think that God is going to reduce in any way those that are desiring the healing ministry in their own ministry. I've had some things happen to me in the past uh, year or so that that, that the Lord is indicating a greater move of healing power. But we must understand, we can get by faith from the Word of God. Whatever we need, whether it be healing, prosperity, uh, an answer to prayer, we can get it by faith if we'll just stay with the very basic principles of what the Word of God says. Now, we've talked this so many times, but then I saw something in this that I need to teach again because I'm not taught on this. Now, notice what it says. Verse 8 of Romans chapter 10. It says, But what saith thee? The word is nigh thee. Everybody say, The word is nigh thee. Now, that word, that word nigh is the word near. The word is near you, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, when it comes to confession. Why has the enemy fought confession so hard? You know, all these derogatory terms. Are you a name it and claim it? Or a blab it and grab it? Well, well you know, that's just derogatory toward the, toward the move of God. We, we, we honor and respect God more than to use terms like that. Amen? Amen? But you've got to understand, the word does not work outside of the word in your mouth. Now let me say that again. The word does not work outside of the word in your mouth. I've heard people, you know, you hear people say, uh, you ask them, you know, maybe going through a physical challenge, and they say, well, you know, uh, 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 have you been prayed for? You believe in God? Well, you know, I'm just trusting the Lord. That, that's, that's unbelief. That's a sign right there that they're, that they're just kind of hoping that God will do something. But the Word is not nigh them. I mean, if I'm standing for healing in my body, and someone says to me, you know, are you healed? Are you believing God? What's the deal? I'm going to say. Let me tell you something, buddy. By His stripes, I'm healed. The Bible says I'm delivered from the power of darkness, translated in the kingdom of His dear Son. The Bible says He took my infirmities and bore my sin upon the cross. By whose stripes I'm healed. I'm going to just declare. The word's going to come out of my mouth because God doesn't back up an emotion. God doesn't back up a feeling. He he stands. Listen. He he watches over His word to perform it. Therefore, He speaks His word. And the Holy Ghost stands online to perform the word that is spoken. We see that in the very first chapter of the Bible. Where, God, where the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. And God said, amen. And God said, why? God said because the Spirit moved. The Spirit moved so God could say. And then the word stepped in. God said, let. That let, if you, ever, if you look at it in your King James, that word let is capitalized. Meaning, there's Jesus showing up right there. There's the Word in God's mouth being spoken right there and the power of the Holy Ghost to bring it into existence. Now notice this. The Word is nigh thee, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith. Now notice that again. The Word of faith. So the Word of faith is not a movement. Man, I heard guys get up when when Brother Hagin went to heaven. I I heard guys get up in their pulpit and scream, the Word of faith movement is over. Well, not for me, because the word of faith didn't die with Brother Hagin. Right. Yeah. Much as I love him, it didn't die with him. You say, what do you mean? It's not a movement. It is a doctrine. It is a principle. When you study the six basic doctrines of Christ in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, faith in God is right there in the middle of it. Faith, toward, faith towards God. So it says here, It says, uh, which is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Everybody say, be saved. This is a specific word for a specific problem. What is the problem? Man is separated from God. Without God, man goes to a place of eternal separation from God, never to return again to a place of, uh, of life and living. Are you with me? So man's greatest problem is solved by not God's Word speaking over them, but God's Word in your mouth. Now think about that for a minute. Well, God could just speak it and create it, but He's got to have an instrument down on the earth for it to be created through. So He's looking for people who will get what? The Word in their mouth. So you could actually say it like this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised you from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be healed. Thou shalt prosper. Thou shalt have the breakthrough. Thou shalt get the house. Thou shalt get the car. Thou shalt get the promotion at your job. Thou shalt get the wisdom that you need for your for for the for the school that you're going to. Whatever you need from God, you're going to have to believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth, and you're going to have to let God be the God that He desires to be in that situation in your life. Now, here's something we never looked at. Verse 10, For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, notice this. Verse 11, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Now listen, every person should have got up and shouted and jumped three times in the air on that one right there. Because when you understand what the Apostle Paul, who was the consummate Jew, was saying to these Gentiles in Rome, it'll blow your mind. When he began to say there is no difference... Between the Jew and the Greek, what he was saying was, Jesus Christ of Nazareth has literally taken down the veil of partition between Israel and the other nations of the world, and now the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is available to all the world. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So God sees notes. See, He used to see a difference between the Jew and the, I mean, the, Jew and the Gentile. The Jews see two types of people on the planet. They don't judge by skin color. They don't judge by geographical location. They judge by a spiritual law. They see Jews. They see Gentiles. Jews are those under the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Gentiles is everyone else. And when Jesus came and died on the cross, that covenant, the Bible actually says, that covenant was folded up and put on a shelf. Are you with me? Now we have a better covenant based on better promises, but there are qualifications for you to walk in that covenant. Now, as far as being qualified, you're already qualified. You say, what do you mean by that? It's like like going and filling out a job application and being hired for a job that you have to be trained at. You know what I'm saying? You fill out the application... And your employer looks upon the application and sees you've got the experience. You've got the education. You've got the, you've got the uh, whatever he wants as far as personality. But you don't know how to run the ice cream machine. I'm going to make it simple, amen? So what they do is you get hired. Once you're hired, you're qualified. But then you're trained to run the ice cream machine, to cook the hamburgers, to, to fry the fruit. You're trained. You have to qualify for what you've been qualified for. You understand that? You know, you, if you join the military, uh, you go in, you take your physical, and they and, and they check you and all this kind of stuff, and, they, and then they induct you in. You're qualified, but then you st- spend months in training. You go through basic training, then you go through specialized training after that, and, and you literally qualified to be qualified. Now, the same thing is true. When you got born again, you became qualified to operate in this great force of faith. Oh, let me try that again. Once you got born again, you got qualified. See, that old covenant was qualified. David destroyed Goliath by faith. Amen. Moses delivered the children of Israel by faith. Joshua brought them into the promised land by faith. Caleb said at age 80, give me my amount. He said that by faith. They were operating in the limited faith of their covenant, which was limited faith. But Jesus died and rose from the dead so that our faith would be unlimited. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. They didn't have that promise in the old covenant. I said they didn't have that promise. Nothing is impossible for them that will believe. That was not in the old covenant. That's in our covenant. Amen. Amen. But now notice the rest of the scripture. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek... For the same Lord over all is rich. Woo! Is rich unto all that just sit around and hope He'll do something. They just come to church on Sunday morning. Just come to church on Tuesday class. No! To all that call upon Him. That all that call upon Him. Now, you can take. Now listen to this. This is, this is, I don't know anybody else can make this claim, but we, we make this claim. You can take a person, walk in the back of this church on Sunday morning, totally given up by the doctors to die. Stage four cancer, whatever. Any other disease doing what it's supposed to do in their body, killing them. You can take that person and spend time with them in the Word of God. And literally, speak into their lives, and if they respond to it correctly, they can literally live and not die. Literally live and not die. We've seen it happen. You know, there's a lady that came here when our church we we were over in the over in the uh, little lumber store over on 45th Street, who they told her, "You're going to die. You're going to have you have to die. You need a brand new liver." She had had lived a lifestyle that that basically destroyed her liver. And they told her, you're going to die. You're you're not going to live. You're going to die. And literally, we taught that woman faith and taught her faith and taught her faith. And she went back to the doctor one day and they couldn't believe it. And they literally told her this, you have a brand new liver. Now let me say something to you. You have to understand that there is a person in this universe who has the intelligence to build a liver. I was just with a man in Ireland that got a brand new heart in one of our meetings. There is a person in this universe that has the intelligence to build a brand new heart. There is a person in this universe who has the intelligence to do whatever it is you need done. But you must connect with the protocol that brings that person's ability into your life and it literally begins with you realizing that the most important connection that you have to this person is your mouth. Because your words are the only thing that touch both the natural and the spirit realm. I listened to a testimony the other day, a particular minister. A woman came to him, 32 years old, school teacher. And some strange cancer got a hold of her liver. And it got a hold of the four corners of it. I don't really know what that means. But that's the way they described it. They had exhausted a lot of their money. They had gone to all of these meetings. And so he's teaching in this, in this camp meeting format in Memphis, Tennessee. He pulls up a chair and pulls up a chair with her and says, Now I'm going to teach you how to get a brand new liver. And he began to teach her You can have a brand new liver if you will do this, 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 and if you will do this. So, as he began to teach her, what did she do? She began to write it down because she was a school teacher. She began to write it down. I need to do this. 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 That was back in the 1980s, in the early 80s, and that woman's still alive today. Not because there was such a great anointing upon that minister, but because they took this word and began to show her, you're gonna to have to get the word in your mouth, you're gonna to have to use that word, you have to speak to that cancer, you have to speak to that liver, and then you have to use your faith to trust that Jesus can build you a brand new liver. Yeah. See, we're the ones that limit God. We're the ones that limit the Holy One of Israel. Amen. I see in the spirit, I see money coming from all around not only from out of this congregation, from all around, over $10 million in money. How is it going to get to us? I don't know. That's none of my business. But I keep speaking it. I keep saying it. I keep speaking it. I gave, some, I gave God something to work with. I gave him faith. Everybody say faith, which includes obedience and sacrifice. We've worshiped with our giving, and I just see it. It's just coming. It's just coming from all around. Just come. right now. I have faith for five million dollars. I keep calling five million dollars. We need a windfall of five million dollars. So every day I thank God. Thank you, Father, for that five million dollars. That'll kick off our building program, and we'll, take, we'll 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 go from there by faith to whatever else we need. But with $5 million, that's where my faith is. It's been in my spirit now for almost a year. $5 million, $5 million, $5 million, $5 million. I have it in Jesus' name. I have it. I don't believe it. I know it. It's mine in the name of Jesus. Now, how can you believe that, preacher? I'll tell you how I can. Because God, listen to what it says here. Because the Lord is the same Lord overall, is rich unto all that call upon Him. So I called upon Him for it. I called upon Him for it. I said, I called upon Him. What are you calling upon the Lord for? Do you need a new liver? Do you need a new heart? Do you need a home? Do you need a car? What do you need? Are you calling upon the Lord? He wants to supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, are you with me? Now, with that in mind, go to Ephesians real quick. Now, notice the word there real quick. Back in... in uh. Romans chapter 8, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Everybody say saved. Saved. Everybody say saved. Saved. That's the word sotos. It means healing, preservation, soundness, soundness, safety, deliverance. Now, verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created unto Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, those good works are not not necessarily the benevolence we bestow on people. That ought to just be part of our Christian character. To help people. Come on, church, we ought to just help people because we love God. Know God loves them. God used us as an instrument to love people and help people. But now these works here are the works, literally, that God wants to produce in the earth. Yeah. People supernaturally healed. Amen. Uh, supernatural manifestation of God's provision. Amen. Five million dollars. Are you with me? Uh, supernatural breakthrough in, in businesses and in jobs and places like that. Supernatural favor. The works, of, because we are what? We are His workmanship. One translation says this, we are God's garden. So what does God want to do? God's wanting to plant into us and produce spiritual harvest. He's wanting to plant in. Now that touches every area of our lives. Every area. I've always, I've said this for you, any area of your life that's segregated from God, get that area out of your life. I like what Norval has said about Benny Hinn. Somebody asked him a question one time. Why does he have such a powerful ministry? He said, because he lives clean. you got to learn to live clean. I said, you got to learn to live clean. I, I said, you got to learn to live clean. If you'll live clean, God can touch you. God can bless you. God can help you. If you're in sin, you need to repent and get out of it. Amen. Amen. But we are his workmanship. Everybody says his workmanship. Work. Now, I like it in the Amplified. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. Now, listen to this. This, this will blow you recreated in Christ Jesus. Recreated in Christ Jesus. Born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Oh, you ought to shout it on that. Are you living the good life? Are you living the good life? God wants you to live the good life. Why? Because He's predestined us in Christ Jesus to live the good life. The good life is not sick. The good life is not broke. The good life is not barely getting along. The good life is the good life. But now notice, we are His handiwork. Now, back back up into verse 8 again. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Well, what is the gift of God? The law of double reference refers, the Greek language law of double reference ref, is in operation here. Which means both the, gray, the grace is a gift and the faith is a gift. So God gives grace and faith taps into it. It's like those, uh, I went to, uh, to uh, uh, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, to preach one time. And it was in the fall of the year, and they were harvesting the maple syrup from the trees. That's so cool. Remember I brought back a deal of, that, of real maple syrup. Now, there's these big trees out there, and those trees are full of maple syrup. They're maple trees, by the way. And get maple syrup out of a pecan tree, amen? And that, that maple syrup is in all those trees. It's in all of them has always been there since creation. It's that's always been there. That syrup's been in those tree. But, but nobody ever got any maple syrup for their pancakes until somebody figured out that you can tap into that tree, and they, they got this unique-looking tool that goes into that tree and kind of straps around, goes into and they hang a little bucket on it. And It'll kind of drip, drip, drip in that bucket, and then they go around, they get all the buckets and pour it in a big bucket, and they got maple syrup. It's amazing. But those trees were always there. Those trees were always there. Now grace is like that in your life personally. Grace has always been there. Sinner, saint, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But the Word of God came to you and it became what? It became the little instrument and the bucket to drain the grace out so that you can appropriate by faith the power of that grace that God provided for you through redemption. It's always been there, but we never had the faith because we hadn't been redeemed yet, and it was for the Jews. But now there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. Now God is rich, amen? Now God is rich toward us in every area. And now God has given us what? He's given us the tapping instrument. He's given us that which we need to tap into grace, where grace was generic and, in general, keeping us, out of, keeping us out of prison, keeping us out of the graveyard, keeping us out of lifestyles that would have caused us never to have been able to get saved. Did you know there are lifestyles that inhibit people from ever being saved? Did you know that? Did you know there are people out there involved in lifestyles right now that they cannot get out of? So I believe God can get them out of it. Yeah, but they cannot get themselves out of it. That's, the kind of, that's, that's, that's how close we're living to the end of this dispensation. And that's 6,000 years of what I call reverse evolution of man going to, from the presence of God to the animal he is today. And there are people that just cross the line. You say, I don't know if I believe that. Then you need to read the Bible. God talks about him turning people over to a reprobate mind. Say, so we need to reach them for Jesus. We can't. We can't. They're done. This is the greatest heaven they'll ever know. Amen? But then there are others. Everybody say others. That are out there wondering, is there any hope for me? Is there any chance? Well, thank God grace is keeping them alive like He kept you alive. Until you got what? Faith. Grace kept you alive until you got faith. And faith did what? Faith got you salvation. Now you're saved. How did it get you salvation? You believed in your heart. You confessed with your mouth. You gave God words to work with. You've got to give God words. The Holy Ghost has to have the words. You have to have the words. You have to have the words in your mouth consistently. Day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade, an entire lifetime, you have to have the words in your mouth. Healing words, prospering words, breakthrough words. You've got to, have, you've got to do it. Now, just for, just for time's sake, because I know our cl- we've only got a few more classes. I have some things that I've been wanting to cover that will help keep you healed, blessed. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Now, I, I've, the last few weeks, become much more aware of this scripture in, in ministering to ministers. As I've had some conversations and, and, and counseled with Some pastors and ministers that were just needing some help, and we were able to help them. Thank God we could. Amen. By the grace of God, verse seven says, "But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ." Now he begins to talk about Jesus. You know, he ascended up on high, led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. Ascended he that ascended is also the one that descended to the lower parts of the earth. That's all redemptive there. But then he ends up in verse eleven and says, "And he gave some apostles, some prophets." some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith. So now we got faith and grace again in the same book, Ephesians. Are you with me? But now it's referring to ministry. And it's referring to people that are chosen. Everybody say Chosen. Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen. This is speaking of ministry. Now, now I don't know why God chooses the people He chose. I, I don't know if I'd ever choose those people. But that's who He chose. Now, those people for every ministry. Now, notice what it says. For every ministry, there's, gi- there's given grace. God's ability working in that ministry. For every church, there is grace. Everybody say grace. And you have to understand and you have to realize what that grace is. Because people that come to church, that's why I'm going to teach some things on church as we continue to teach on the heart because I really didn't delve in because you kind of get on people's toes a little bit because people are kind of oversensitive to church issues because they think just anybody that goes out and puts up a word of faith thing is a church. That's not true. I said that's not true. God has to call you. It has to be a supernatural calling. And there has to be a grace. That grace is realized over a period of time. We've had people that uh, left this church to, to, start a, uh, to start a church, and they were wrong. And I didn't discourage them. I said, go do it. But there was no grace. I knew there, were, I, there wasn't any grace when they left. wasn't any grace when they got there. That little bit of a little bit of a a, a, a a knowledge of the word gathered a few people for a few years, and now it's over with. Now let me tell you something. That is very dangerous because there were people that left here that stepped out from under this grace. You want your faith to work? I'm trying to help you. They stepped out from under this grace, and it's caused them all kind of problems in their life. Other people have gone out and done things and just kind of stayed in a stagnant mode. And I wonder why isn't this thing growing? Why isn't this, there's no grace there? There's no grace there. Listen, if there wasn't any grace on this ministry, we wouldn't be here 15 years. We'd have never recovered from 2008. We wouldn't have land. We were looking at our looking at our uh, 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 information on our accounts the other day, and everything that this this church is worth most more than most churches that have buildings. This church is worth almost four million dollars of assets, properties, possessions that the church owns. That's grace, financial grace. Many people have been saved here. Many people have been healed here. There's been great conferences and camp meetings and speakers and moves of the Spirit. and move. There's grace here. But see, you're the one that determines how close you get to that grace or how far you stay away from it. Lee and I, we were with the church for 15 years, and I began to see grace come upon that ministry. And I began to watch very closely what that grace was producing. For six years, Lee and I, all we did was rent a little house, rent a little place here and there, and we began to see that grace work, and we began to say, it works in our church, it'll work for us. Amen. And it works supernaturally for us. Why? Because we pressed into that grace instead of pulled back from it. Amen. Amen. And God gave us grace to, to walk away from that. God gave us grace to start this. God gives us grace to travel. God gives us grace for missions. God, God's given us grace for that building. Come on, church. All of that grace that's working, you've got to make a decision on how close or how far away you're going to get to that grace. And what people tend to do is they tend to judge personalities. Amen? They tend to judge, you know, results. They tend to judge this. They tend to judge that. And it estranges. or it pulls them back from the grace that God's trying to produce in their life. Because there is no individual or singular grace. There's just grace for us. Now let me say this. There's people that get away from that grace and the mercy of God will keep them. But it will only last for some, There's a time limit on that mercy in which God is trying to say to them, get back into that grace. 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 I watched, uh, I, I, it was very pleasurable for me as a pastor to be in Ireland with, with Ryan and Kimberly and to see the grace that's upon them. You know where they got that? You know where they picked that grace up? Because they recognized when God called them to Ireland that there was a church somewhere that had grace on it for Ireland. And so they came here, and they obeyed God here, and they did what they were supposed to do here, and they served Him, and they picked that grace up, and automatically, when they got into their place in Ireland, God promoted them. God promoted them. God promoted them. You watch, God will continue to promote them, and they'll take this grace and they'll step into their own grace one day. You say why? Well, because there's a right way to do that. It'll work in your business. Listen, it'll work in your marriage. It'll work in every part of your life and it'll enhance the faith or faith's ability to produce in you. That's why the enemy fights people in church so much. Don't go to that church. <laughs> Amen? And then you hear of, hear of the, you know, the talking with other pastors and people that love the Lord and are doing everything they can do to help their people. And a little faction arise up here, a little faction arises up there, and, and, and you think, what in the world of people? Why in the world do people, pull away from a great grace in their life to go chase some stupid? Doesn't amount to a hill of beans, amen. I like, I just like what Ed Dufresne used to call them, to go chase prophet poo poo. <laughs> you had to know Dr. Dufresne, but it's true. And to just step out from under the grace of God and step out from under his blessing and step out because there's a, little, there's a little buzz going on here or a buzz going on or they don't understand church. Now, I taught this when I was in Ireland. I've probably mentioned it here a couple of times, but it's really the point that I want to make here is because there can be a flash here or a flash there or a flash here or a flash there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to run and connect to it. You say, what do you mean by that? I go back to a counseling session I was in with some people in a church that I ministered in for many years who had been to a Benny Hinn crusade. Now, I've been to Benny Hinn crusades. Sat on the flat platform. Man, I'm telling you, if you don't think there's an anointing there, you need to get saved. The anointing is tangible. And Benny ain't no preacher. He get up there and sing and talk about God till God starts doing stuff. That's what he does. That's how it works. He copies his mentor katherine coolman he never knew Catherine coolman but that he copies her he went around to her meetings and he claims that at a graveside uh uh graveside consecration that he made that god put something on him well ob- obviously he did well this couple had been to this and they came home to their home church and they were like we're we're done with this church we're done with this church and the pastor said, I want you to come sit in this meeting. He said, We're done with this church. And so the pastor said, Why? He says, Well, you know, what's going on in Benny Hinn's crusade is not going on in this church. And that's what, that's what God looks like. That's what the move of God's like. That's what. And so I just said, can I say something? He said, Yeah, I said, How long have you been in this church? They've been in the church, nine years. I said, in nine years, have you been in the hospital? No. Bankruptcy court? No. Divorce court? No. How's your life been? Pretty good. I said, so you're judging what happened in an evangelistic crusade as not being the church when actually all you were was a spectator at that crusade. But in this church, the grace of this church has kept you out of the hospital, out of the bankruptcy court, out of the divorce court, and it dawned on them. You can see the light come into their eyes. Amen. And they figured out real quick, they figured out real quick that what you see... moves of God is not necessarily what God wants you to live up under. God wants you part of the body, wants you part of the church, wants you part of what God's doing in the earth today. Because I'm telling you, those waves and winds of revival, they come and go. They move back and forth across the world. They come, they go. They come, they go. I had one preacher, a friend of mine, bless his heart, man, he spent a ton of money. He wanted to get Reinhardt Bonky. Man, I'm going to get Reinhard Bonnke to come to my city. He's going to shake my city. I'm telling you, and they, they, they spent all kinds of money. They rented the Civic Center, and they, I'm telling you, Reinhard Bonnke said, I'll come. They were like, this is it, man. It's going to blow this place. He said, man, he said, we got in there. Place was packed to the rafters. He said, Reinhard Bonnke got up spoke 30 minutes, sat down. He was like, that's it? <laughs> that's it? That's it? Well, Reinhard Hart a crusade preacher in Africa. Amen. You take him to Africa and put him in front of 500,000 people and signs, wonders, and miracles will happen all over the place. Amen. But you expect him to bring revival into your church, it ain't going to happen. Or into your city, it won't happen. It's not his calling, it's not his grace. And a lot of people have made that mistake over the years. If I can only get this person or I can only get that person or I can only get this person. I had a friend of mine that had Benny Hinn after a huge crusade in which he packed out a huge auditorium and he came to his church and they prepared for thousands to come and only 1,500 people showed up. Stepped out from under his grace, see. But you have to understand, for every person that connects themselves to a church, that's why the Bible says those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You connect to the grace of that church. And the true grace of Ireland church isn't land, isn't buildings, isn't missions, isn't Ireland. The true grace of this church is faith. That's the true grace of this church, is the ability to have an understanding of faith taught to you so that you can eliminate, so, so that you can assimilate it and then transmit it out into the different areas of your life. so you can be, begin to speak yourself whole, speak yourself healed, speak yourself blessed, speak yourself, whatever it is, you can, you can begin to speak your faith, because it's taught to you over and over and over and over and over. You can't help but get some in you. Amen. So everybody say grace. Grace. Now, we're not going to go there. But one of my favorite redemptive scriptures is Genesis. Excuse me, is Galatians chapter 20, chapter 2, verse 20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Uh, The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. Then the next verse, verse 20, says this. I will not frustrate the grace of God. Now, what he was saying was, what he was referring to, because obviously there was a frustration in him, in people coming behind him in his ministry and trying to bring Judaism into Christianity. Amen? So he basically makes a statement, I'm dead, and I'm going to show you where I died. I died upon the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am crucified with Him. I am dead to the law. I am dead to legalism. I am dead to the Passover. I am dead to the Torah. I am dead, I am dead, I am dead. It's no longer I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this fleshly body, I live by the faith, not by the law. I live by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ who loved and gave Himself. Therefore, I will not frustrate the grace which means what? People do it all the time. They step out of grace. They frustrate the grace. They think, why can't I receive from God? Why, can't, why isn't this grace working in my life? It's a faith issue in you. you. Listen. And I've said this for years. You must learn literally from the day you get born again till today and tomorrow and the rest of you. You've got to learn to speak a new language. You have to learn to speak the language of redemption. You cannot speak English, Spanish, Swahili, French. You've got to speak redemption. What do you say about yourself? What do you say about your circumstance? What do you say about your God? And what do you say about the answer He's given you? Well, I'm I'm just believing God. You're going to die. Heard one guy say that. If God doesn't intervene, they're going to die. They're dead. Because God's looking for somebody to work with. You're not looking to intervene in somewhere where nobody, you know, just, if he shows up, you've already given up. Amen? You've already given up. But if out of you, eh, listen, if somebody is so far gone, but if they can still speak, if they can still form words and have enough breath to push them out of their mouth, you can take them from a deathbed to living and alive. How do you do it? You've got grace to do it. I said you've got grace to do it. You can do that with your finances. You can do that with every area of your life. But here's the deal. It takes effort. Amen. It takes effort. You can't be lazy. You can't be lazy. you got to figure out your God's handiwork, your God's workmanship. You can change any situation. You can turn any no into a yes. Amen. You can do it if you will just make a decision. The word is nigh you, even in your mouth, even in your mouth and in your heart, which is the word of faith, which we teach and preach constantly around here, that if you'll do what? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Now, if you go to Mark chapter 11, verse 23, 24, it says, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in thy heart, but believe if those things which I say shall come to pass. They shall have whatsoever they say. One time the emphasis is put on believing in your heart. Three times the emphasis is put on saying it. So you got to say it three times more than you believe it. Say, so well, I really, really really, I really, really believe it. Then you got to really, 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 really say it. Amen? That means you say it over and over and over. I wake up in the morning. And I'm confessing scriptures in my mind. And then my, my mouth usually connects to it, and then i got to get up, and i got to start getting ready. And I go to sleep at night, and I'll read the Bible at night before we go to sleep. And, I, and, I'll, be, and I'll be confessing, oh, thank you. For, yeah, by his stripes, I mean, oh, thank you, Spirit of God. Yeah, and I'll just go to sleep. And I'll wake up. First thing on my mind when I wake up in the morning, last thing on my mind when I go to bed is what? The Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. The Word. I go work out. I have a routine uh, that I do at the gym. And all during that time, I'm confessing the Word, confessing the Word, confessing the Word, confessing the Word, driving down the street. Everywhere I go, everything I do. The Word, the Word coming out of your mouth, coming out of your mouth. Speaking the Word. Speaking it over the church, over my wife, over my health, over my finances, over what God's called us. You've got to do it. What is your alternative? Because you're doing the same thing if you're not doing it. Did you hear what I just said? You're doing the same thing if you're not doing it, but you're doing it on the negative side. You're doing it on the curse side. You're doing it on the destruction side, and you're arming your adversary with what? Words. You're giving him words, and he'll work with those words, and he'll produce doubt, he'll produce fear, and he'll destroy your life. But thank God we've got God's words, and they don't produce doubt, they don't produce fear, and they don't destroy your life. They'll bless you. Amen? Amen? hallelujah stand on your feet father we bless your name this morning oh we give you words lord say after me heavenly father i am a new creature in christ jesus all things have passed away all things are new for me thank you lord faith is in my heart faith is in my mouth i am the healed of god i am the blessed of god i am the favorite of god His mercy works in my life when I make mistakes. His grace has been tapped into by my faith. I will live. I will live and not die. And I will declare the goodness of Almighty God. Nothing is impossible to them that believe. I'm a them. I'm a them. I believe and I don't doubt. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give the Lord a shout. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.